Shepherd and Faith family. If you have a Bible, would you please turn to Psalm 100? Psalm 100, that's where we're going to be. Just a few moments. Let me give you a quick announcement while you're turning there. Uh, some of you may have already received this email, whether you've checked your email or not. Uh, you will be receiving, if you're on our database uh, here at Berean, you're going to be receiving an email about Right Now Media. Right Now Media. Now, what is that all about? Uh, how many of you have a Netflix account or are familiar with Netflix, okay? Well, if you know anything about Netflix, you know it's kind of an all-access to movies, and you can go on and watch all different types of movies and things like that. Well, Right Now Media is kind of a version of that, but for Christian education, discipleship tools. In other words, what we're sending you, and here's the best part, for free, right? We're making the investment in this in terms of our ministry budget, and then you're going to have free access to uh, Right Now Media. You'll get an email. You can set up an account, and then you have online streaming, downloads, all that to sermons, Bible study materials, curriculum, things for your personal devotion, things for your small group, things for your ABFs. Uh, you can be walking through the airport if you download the app and be watching messages or reading material and books and conferences. And so it's kind of like getting away from the old school of a whole bunch of books on a whole bunch of cabinets, things like that, and giving you all access to discipleship resources from around the world, speakers, pastors, things like that. So it's awesome. Does that sound exciting? And it's free, right? So there you go. So we just want you to know that's coming. If you get an email and it's about right now media and you're like, what in the world is this? I didn't sign up for this, right? It is uh, a gift to you uh, from us to uh, grow in the word. Seems like I've heard that before, right? Uh, that is key to our vision uh, to see our lives transformed by the gospel is that we grow in the Word of God, and we want to give you tools and resources to be able to do that. Now, if you're not on our database or you do not get that email, feel free to either give us your information. You can just turn that into the information table as you leave, or you can email us here at the church or call us and get on the database so that you can have access to that. Okay? It's going to be a great tool. You're going to hear a lot more about that in the coming weeks. We hope that you will utilize that. It's going to be some really, really good material. All right. Psalm 100. Ready? Ready. All right. Let's do this. If you can stand for the reading of God's Word, please do so. Psalm 100. Five verses can't be that long of a sermon, right? I mean, five simple verses You'd be surprised. Verse 1, all right? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is God's word. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the joy of being together to gather for worship. Uh, Lord, we, um, we now want to learn from your word. We pray that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, what it means to really worship you. You have created us for worship, but we do not define those terms. You do. So teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Paul Tripp, who is one of my favorite authors and Christian counselors, 
writes the following, uh, an event that happened in his life when he was a kindergarten teacher uh, for a Christian school. Uh, Paul Tripp writes the following. He says, quote, one day, one of the moms came to me and asked if she could have a birthday party for her daughter. And I said, that's fine, as long as you invite everyone in the class. And so the next day, Susie's mom turned the room into a birthday kingdom. There was a long table going down the middle of the classroom, and at the end of the table was Susie, the birthday girl. She had an amazing pile of presents in front of her, stacked so high you could hardly see her face. All of her classmates sat around the table admiring all the presents while looking at their little sandwich bag of party favors. In fact, one of the boys in the class wasn't pleased. He began to pout. His lip started to quiver. Johnny looked at his bag that was filled with only two Tootsie Rolls, a lollipop, and a plastic whistle, and got angry. And the longer it went on, the angrier and angrier he became. His pouting became louder and louder until finally one of the parents saw what was going on and stepped in. She came to Johnny's seat, knelt down, looked him in the eyes, and said the four words he did not want to hear. It's not your party. It's not your party. Those four words that Johnny did not want to hear on that day are exactly the four words we need to hear today when it comes to the worship of God. I need you to hear my heart for just a moment. I've, I've reflected a lot on this. I, I've thought about this idea of corporate worship. That, that's what Psalm 100 is about. It's about the corporate worship of, of God's people. And I've thought about the fact, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in a pretty traditional setting. And, and corporate worship, congregational worship was pretty standard. Three hymns followed by a sermon with three points followed by just as I am. Anybody grow up in that? I mean, and you didn't change from that order no matter what. Armageddon would happen if you changed from that order. And then there was my youth group experience, and we sang songs like, Lord, I lift your name on high. I just aged myself. Do you remember that song? And it had hand motions, and we'd say, you came from heaven. It was the closest I got to being Pentecostal in my childhood, right? To earth, to show the way, it was radical. I mean, I couldn't believe I was doing all that. And I could sing of your love forever and ever and ever and ever. And that song just kept going on and on. I've reflected about the fact that this month is actually 20 years that I've been in pastoral ministry. And I've seen a lot of different worship movements, many worship movements that I, I love and are, are wonderful. Everything from Gaithers to Passion to Hillsong and all kinds of others that are even still going on today. If I were honest, I would say as a pastor, I've been in those conversations about traditional worship or modern worship or postmodern worship or ancient future 
worship. I'm not sure how that works. Or emerging worship. I've been in conversations about do, do you wear suits and ties or do you wear jeans? Do you use drums and guitars or do you use an organ? Uh, do you sing off the screen or do you use hymn books? And my desire today is not to be critical about any of that. That's all fine and, and good. But listen, listen, listen. In all this noise about worship, as I look at the Scripture, what I'm afraid of is that we're asking the wrong question. We're having the wrong conversation. We have started at the wrong spot when it comes to what worship really is. In other words... Worship is not about what you prefer. Worship is about what God prefers. Because it's his party. Right? We've been invited to celebrate God. We're not here for a party with our name on it. We're here to celebrate the glory of who God is. And so you don't define the terms. And neither do I. This question... I'm probably going to get in trouble today, but what's, what's new? This question gets, will be asked 10,000 times today in families that will leave churches all over America. A family will get in the van and the wife will turn to the husband and she'll say something like this, honey, what did you think about the worship today? Let me tell you a better question. Let me tell you the right question. What will God think about your worship today? Because this is not our party. And at the end of the day, faith family, I love you dearly. I, I take serious shepherding you in the word. I don't care about your preference for worship. I care about what God and how God has called us to worship. That's the real question. And it's what Psalm 100 is all about. It's worship not how you want it, it's worship how God wants it. Now, I'm making that statement, worship that God wants based out of the text. And let me show you it. Seven commands are given in this psalm. Let me point them out to you, starting in verse 1, make and then serve, and then come, and then know, and then enter, and then give, and then bless. In other words, here's my point, right, right here, right here, right here. The point is this. This psalm is not giving you a preference of worship. It's not giving you an option of worship. It's commanding worship. And it's commanding worship in certain ways. That's why I say this is worship the way God wants it. So I'm going to take those seven commands and give you five characteristics of worship the way God wants it. Not how we want it, how God wants it. And I'll get everybody eventually by the time we get through these five. Number one, God wants worship that is joyfully loud. God wants worship that is joyfully loud. Verse 1, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And isn't that ultimately what worship is? Worship is a, a, an explosion of joy in our life. 
But then I'm so overwhelmed with who God is, there's such an enormous value in the character of God that I cannot help but erupt loudly in joy. It's like in the Old Testament when they would bring the Ark of the Covenant in and what would be the response of the people? The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God among the people of God. Their response wasn't, oh, that's interesting. I feel some goosebumps. All right. No, they were shouting. They were chanting. They were declaring. They were running around. Why? Because they were filled with joy that the presence of God was with the people of God. This is what worship is. And you know this to be true because you see examples of this all the time. Michael, you had the trip, car, you bid 42500 Actual retail price is $42,989. Michael won a million dollars. Michael's won $1,127,062 today. Thanks for watching Price is Right. Don't forget to get the Pepsi Beta News. It's very important. All right. I love that guy. I love that guy. Now, what just happened there? And we see, again, we see examples all over the place of, of somebody comes into something of enormous value. I mean, a million dollars, that's kind of of enormous value. And his natural response in light of the value of this is what? Shouting and, and, and praise and joy. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who finds a treasure. And for joy, the joy of that treasure sells everything he has in order to buy the field to get the treasure. If that guy can respond with that much joy over a million dollars, how much for we, the kingdom of God? When you understand, yeah, you can clap for that. That's all right, right? Man, I'm going to keep preaching. Y'all keep clapping. We can do some loud noise in here. That's good. In light of the value of who God is in this kingdom we're a part of, the natural explosion is joy. You say, but pastor, I don't like it loud. (laughs) And you're probably the one that uses the prayer request card as a comment card. (laughs) That's right. Now I know who it is, right? Some of you are pointing that to you, right? about turn it down and all this stuff. Listen, and I want to be sensitive to that. I really, really do. But if you're here and you're saying, I don't like it loud, my response to you with all sensitivity and sincerity is, it's not your party. I love you, but it's not your party. Because it's not about how you want worship. It's about how God has commanded worship to be. And God has commanded worship to be this way. Make a joyful noise all the earth. Number two, three claps. Thank you. As a great, as a great place for an amen. Y'all missed it right there. All right. God won. Yeah, listen, I, I, I care about you, but, but, but at the end of the day, it's not about what do I want from worship because this party ain't about you. What does God want? God wants people who are joyfully loud. And God wants, number two, people who are gladly surrendered gladly surrendered. Next phrase, 
serve the Lord with gladness. Now, that idea of serve is not volunteer, right? I mean, it'd be very easy for me to manipulate that phrase and say, see, you're supposed to serve God, so go volunteer in the nursery. Do go volunteer in the nursery, but that's not what this verse means, all right? Serve is the idea of surrender. In fact, it's the idea literally of a slave that is surrendered to a king. What, what the psalmist is calling us here to is, is surrendering to the kingship of God, that that's what worship is. It, it is a surrender of all your life to the king. Now, here's why we know that's what worship is. Um, do you remember in Matthew 4, Satan comes to Jesus and he says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. I'll give them to you if you will bow down and worship me. Did you catch that? Bow down and worship. And then Jesus responds, you shall worship God and serve him only. Did you, did you hear all that language? Say yes. yes. Bow down and worship me. No, 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 no. You only worship and serve God. You only bow down. You only worship God. That's what worship is. It is bowing the knee to the king. It is a life completely surrendered to God. Romans 12, 1. Many of you know this, this verse well. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies Present your lives as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your what? Spiritual worship. What is your worship? Your laying down of your life on the altar of God. And the psalmist says, this we do or are to do gladly, which sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? I mean, surrender gladly? serve with gladness, that doesn't seem like it fits. Like passive aggressive, that doesn't work. Or clearly misunderstood, that doesn't make any sense. Or jumbo shrimp, right? That's that weird. Or Microsoft works. I mean, that's, that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. That's funny. Uh, glad surrender doesn't seem to go together except you will gladly surrender when you know your king is good. You will gladly surrender when you know your king is good. Think about this. Have you ever thought about the fact that Paul uses in the New Testament uh, a word very frequently when he introduces himself? He says, Paul, a bond servant or bond slave of Christ Jesus. Do you know what bond slave, bond servant means? Here's what it means. A bond servant was somebody, now listen, listen. A bond servant was somebody that was in slavery, was set free by someone else out of that slavery, only to turn and willingly be the slave of the one who set him free. When Paul says, I'm a bond servant of Christ Jesus, what he's saying is, I'd much rather be a slave to Christ than free on my own. I have surrendered. I am one who has surrendered all that I am to the one who set me free. Isn't that beautiful? Serve the Lord with gladness. I gladly surrender to 
the good king, Jesus. Now you say, but pastor, I don't want to surrender. It's not your party. When God says, here's how I want worship. I want worship that serves me gladly. Then surrender. Number one, God wants worship that is uh, joyfully loud. God wants worship that is gladly surrendered. And number three, I'm going to get some of you here. God wants worship that purposefully sings. Oh, no, he didn't. Look at the next phrase, come into his presence with singing. Now, you really need to understand the Hebrew and the background here to understand that phrase. What this phrase means is when you come into worship, you sing. It's a good thing I did Hebrew and theology in seminary, right? Yes, it is as plain as it reads. God is commanding our singing, and this is everywhere in the Psalms. Psalm 30, sing praise to the Lord, you righteous ones. Psalm 47, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King. Psalm 68, sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to the Lord. Psalm 81, sing for joy to God, our strength, shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Psalm 95, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Psalm 98, O sing to the Lord a new song. Do I need to keep going or do you get the point? I mean, it's everywhere in the Psalms much less the rest of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I know some of you, now I don't want to be stereotypical. I really don't. I'm just going to assume generally speaking, not everybody, but generally speaking, there are probably some guys in the room that just don't like to sing. I've been there. A guy came up to me last night and said, Pastor, you were talking to me. I'm just not much of a singer. I'm not much on the music. If we did an hour of teaching, I'd be fine. But I just don't care so much about singing. And here's my response to you. And I love you. And I'm so glad you're here. But guess what? It's not your party. And when the king says, come into my courts with song, guess what you do when you're in his courts? Sing. But that's not how I like to worship. But that's how God has commanded you to worship. So sing. Now, have I gotten anybody yet? Do you still love me, right? Some of you are like, kind of. Now, what's happening so far in this psalm? Now, I want to take a, a, a quick side note and say, are you beginning to notice a little bit of a pattern here? Okay, let me summarize it this way. So God wants shouts that are joyful or noise that's joyful. He wants service or surrender that is grateful or glad. He wants singing that is praise-filled. Are, are you noticing that trend? Here's the point I'm trying to bring out. Are you listening? God wants your emotions engaged. God wants your emotions engaged. Engaged. In fact, it isn't worship if your emotions are not involved. Now, I say that because we're Bereans, if you've been around here for very long. And some people wear that like a badge of honor. 
that we study the word and we love our theology and we're all about doctrine and truth. And we are. We don't make any apologies about that. But if that theology and truth isn't affecting you emotionally to the point that it makes you want to erupt in praise, then you don't know anything. Because knowledge, as we'll see even in just a moment, about God is what stirs our affections and emotion for God. Uh, Jonathan Edwards says it this way in Religious Affections. The things of God take hold of our souls only so much as they affect our hearts. Many people hear the word, but they're not affected by them. Neither their natures or their behavior is changed because they're not emotionally affected by what they hear. They hear of God's infinite goodness and mercy. They hear of great works of God's wisdom and power. They hear of the unspeakable love of God, the great things Christ has done. They hear these things, but they remain as they were because they were not emotionally affected by what they hear. Until they are affected, they will never be changed. So here's what I'm after today. And I'll just lay the cards on the table. I am after your passion in worship. And I love worshiping with this faith family. This is a wonderful faith family to worship with. But I am pushing us as much as I can through God's word to another level of passionate, loud praise, glad surrender, and joyful singing before our God. Because it's his party. Go home and read 2 Samuel 6. We'll move on after this. Uh, the ark is brought in. The people are rejoicing, as we talked about earlier. And David, who's the king, by the way, takes off his kingly robe and he starts dancing in the presence of God. And there's a woman by the name of Michal. I'm convinced she's Baptist. Um, <laughs> And I can say that because I've been one all my life. Um, and she's watching David out the window, and she despises him. She can't stand his passion. And when he comes back inside, she confronts him. And she says, how can you, O king, be so undignified? And David's response is this, I will celebrate my Lord. And I'll become even more undignified than this. Let us be a people of passionate praise. Because it's not about what you want. It's about what God wants out of worship. Number four, for fear that you think I've gone too far on the emotional side of things, that I'm just into touchy feelies and peaceful, easy feelings, look at the next phrase, verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. In other words, the fourth characteristic of the kind of worship that God wants is people who are increasing in their knowledge of God. So now here we see that content matters. God wants us to know Him, to know that He is Lord, and to know that He is God. Right here, right here. you got to hear this because this is what I, I want to make sure we're balanced. We're not talking about affection for God. 
without knowledge of God. We're not talking about knowledge of God that doesn't lead to affection for God. What are we talking about? We're talking about the more we know about God, the more that leads us to emotional engagement and praise to God. That's how it works. The more I know who he is, the more I know what he's done, the more that I know that he is God, the more I cannot help but serve him gladly. Be loud in my joy. Do you see the connection? So this is not an absence of content. And this is where a lot of churches, I do think, get it wrong. Now hear me. I'm trying to shepherd us in the Word. We don't want to be a church that's all head knowledge. And we don't want to be a church that's all emotion. We want to be both. That knowledge of God leads to affections where we feel and praise God. This is why we do not do songs that bring Jesus down to the fact that he's like a girlfriend. You know those songs where as deep as it goes is, I want to hold you. I want to hold you. I want to be near you. And I want to be near you. And I want to touch you. And I want to touch you. And I want to have a milkshake with you. And I want to have a milkshake with you. And it's like that's all it is, right? That's all it is. No, we want songs that have content. What did we just sing earlier? And I, I, was, I was just hearing your voices. You're singing about the Trinity, and you're singing about the resurrection, and you're singing about uh, the fact that we will be resurrected in Christ, and you're singing about the Holy Church. You, you're singing doctrine because content is fueling our worship of who God is. Is. It's why preaching matters. It's why I don't give you five tips on how to have a better week. I give you, thus saith the Lord, like it or not. Because we got to know how God has revealed Himself if we're going to worship the God who is. So, this is not emotion apart from knowledge. God wants worshipers that are increasing in their knowledge of who He is. And you say, but, Pastor, I don't want to learn anything. I don't come on Sunday to learn anything. I want to feel. I want the goosebumps. I want the single tear. I want the emotional experience. What's my response? It, just go ahead and say it with me. It's not your party. God wants people who know him and know that he is God. Number five. Lastly, God wants people who are personally thankful. God wants worship that is personally thankful and grateful. Verse 4, enter his courts with thanksgiving. Again, that's commanded. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Well, a lot could be said here, but I'll just say, Um, worship is letting the reality of God put all our life in perspective. Worship is letting the reality of who God is and what He has done put all of our life in perspective to the point that we cannot help but be overwhelmingly grateful. We're not entitled to anything. 
I mean, we, we live in an entitlement mentality society. We are not entitled to anything. That's why it's called grace. And we're so overwhelmed that we would even have life. And anything beyond that is bonus. God has been so gracious to us. That is why we put the gospel of grace before you all the time for your gratitude. You say, but pastor, you don't understand. I I can't worship today. My life is a mess. And you've heard me say something like this before. Then it's a good thing you're not here to worship your life. Of course your life is a mess. My life's a mess. All of our lives are a mess. But we're not here to worship one another. We've been invited to a celebration, to a party that has God's name on it. And in light of who he is and in light of what he's done, we have reason to be thankful. I mean, just the fact that you've been invited to the party is enough to be grateful all your days. So so don't let this be, but I just don't feel like being grateful. God has commanded gratitude in light of who he is and what he's done. Did I get you? I got me, well, like all of them, right? Except for maybe the loud part, all right? I think I've got that one down, right? But so much of this, it's like, man, God, I repent that I have made worship about what I want. The real question is, what do you want? How have you defined worship to be? Now, I'll end with this. What is it that um, stirs this kind of worship up? What is it that, 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 that is the, the fire and the fuel for this kind of worship? It's not robotic. It's not mechanic. You don't just come in and go, okay, I'll be loud. I'm going to be joyful, right? I'm going to... Gladly surrender. No, 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 no. The reason for all of these responses is given in verse 5. For, do you see that word? For. So here's the reason, or because. You do all these things because, for, the Lord is good, His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all Generations. Now that phrase, his faithfulness to all generations has, I mean, it is full, jam-packed of meaning. What is it that God had done? Follow me with me for just a quick moment on a, on a mental exercise. What is it that God did for the nation of Israel that proved his faithfulness for generation to generation to generation? What is it that God did to prove to the nation of Israel that his love is everlasting? What is it that God did to prove to the nation of Israel that he is good? That's the question. You get a hint of what that is if you go back to verse 3. If you put verse 3 and verse 5 together, you begin to see what the psalmist is calling the people of God to remember. Look at it. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people. That is covenant language. That is, God has entered into a covenant with us as a people. So right here, are you with me? Are you with me? What is it that God did in making Israel his people that proved he is good, his love is everlasting, and he is faithful generation after generation after generation? Answer, the exodus. 
And that's why in other Psalms and many other places in the Old Testament, you will find this phrase. I am the one who brought you up out of Egypt. I am the one who brought you up out of Egypt. I am the one who brought you up out of Egypt. God did not want the nation of Israel to ever forget the Exodus. Because the Exodus was the reminder of God's gracious work in their lives. Because what did the Exodus do? Remembering the Exodus reminded them that they were in slavery in Egypt. And God brought them out and passed them through the waters by grace. They didn't split the sea. God split the sea for them. And he entered into a covenant with them at Sinai where they became his people. And he promised them a future that he would prepare a land for them flowing with milk and honey that they would be able to dwell in. That was the exodus. And as the, the more they remembered it, the more they would know Psalm 100 verse 5, he is good He is loving, and He is faithful. Now, you say, well, that's great for them, but we're not a part of the nation of Israel. What does Psalm 100 verse 5 mean for us? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) What is the Exodus ultimately pointing to? In fact, the Exodus is only a, a foreshadowing. It, it's, the, it's the appetizer before the main course. It's the, the trailer before the big movie comes. Namely, that Jesus comes up out of Egypt, that Jesus passes through the waters, that Jesus is the Passover lamb whose blood was shed, that Jesus, according to the writer of Hebrews, is the greater Moses, that Jesus, according to his own words, has prepared a place for you. Why? Because Jesus is leading a greater exodus. In fact, the cross and the resurrection is the ultimate exodus. Why? Because of that, we are set free, not from Egypt, but from our sin and death. We are passed through the waters of judgment by his grace, not by our works. We are brought into the very family of God, and he has prepared a future for us. And brother, sister, it will be glorious. If you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, the greater Moses, you know a greater exodus than Israel. Which means don't look back to Egypt, look back to Calvary. Because when you look back at Calvary, you are reminded he is good, he is loving, he is faithful to generation after generation, and we are his people. And in light of that, how can you not be joyfully loud? I mean, in light of that, how can you not gladly surrender? In light of that, how can you not want to know him more through the person of Jesus Christ? In light of that, how could you not be unbelievably grateful and thankful for who he is and what he's done? You see, I don't need to manipulate your worship. I don't need to play like a real fancy tune on the guitar. I don't need to have certain lighting. It doesn't need to be on a screen or out of a hymn book. It doesn't matter if I got jeans on or if I'm in a suit and tie. When we think about the glory of God through the cross, we cannot help but worship and passionately praise. Oh, 
And that faith family is what worship is about. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. And He is calling us to a specific kind of worship. It's His party. It's His party. And He has defined the terms. This morning, there are some of you, I mean, we're getting excited in here. I can feel like we, we might be here till three. It might be longer. I don't know. I'm feeling the, the, the joy in this place. Thank you, Lord. But there are some of you here today, and you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't worship God. And the reason is, is you've never entered in. Notice the verse 4. In fact, I could spend tons of time here, but I won't. But it says, enter his gates. Enter his. Some of you haven't entered. In fact, if you go to the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews takes this one word, enter, and builds a whole Bible study off of it based on the Old Testament sacrificial system. And here's what he says. This is glorious news. If you're here today and you're wanting to know, how can I be in the party? How can I join the celebration of God? The writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we have confidence to enter. Enter what? Enter the holy places, Psalm 100. By the blood of Jesus, the new and living way. If you're here and this party is something you're not in, you can be in. Come through the door. And that door is not that door. That door is the door, Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, the life. And nobody comes to the Father but by Him. You are invited today to a universal cosmic party to the glory of God. And you come into this party through Jesus Christ. Have you entered in? Have you entered in? Repent of your sin, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you can enter in to this glorious, glorious thing called worship. Faith family, this matters. This isn't just a a sermon about Sunday, though it is. It's a sermon about a future day. I'm, I'm, I'm prepping you for something. Every week, I'm prepping you for something. Go read Revelation 5. And tell me that you don't hear Psalm 100. Because the Bible says there's coming a day when the ransomed people of God, all those from every tribe and nation and tongue who have passed through the Exodus, who has come in by the door of Jesus Christ into the family of God, and they're all going to be gathered. And you know what the Bible says they're going to do? You know what the Bible says we're going to do? They're going to sing. Let me say that again. They're going to sing, and there will not be anybody there who's not singing. 
And they're going to sing a new song. We're going to sing a new song. And we're going to, Psalm 100, bless his name. And we're going to, Psalm 100, with a loud voice, joyfully proclaim, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing forever and ever and ever. And it will be crystal clear on that day that it was not our party. It will not be in that day, and it is not today. So faith family, let's start asking the right questions when it comes to worship. Not what do you prefer, but what does God prefer? That our worship on earth might be as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I confessed to you, you already know it well, and even before these people today, that I am a lot like Johnny. I have a tendency all the time to make this party about me. But the name written on the banner is Jesus is Lord. This party's for him, this celebration's for him, this worship's for him. And so he defines the terms. And Father, we are thankful for all the many different styles and methods and and ways in which we worship. We are grateful for the many men and women that you have gifted to lead in that way. And that is a good thing. But never let that take us to a place where we've started asking the wrong questions. Keep us in that place where we're asking, God, how have you defined worship? What do you want from our worship? Not do we enjoy this, but God, may you be glorified in how we surrender and how we sing and how we give thanks. I pray for the one here today that's never entered in. They're outside the party. They've never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray for an exodus in their life today, that they would be brought out of slavery into everlasting life. For those of us that know the exodus, that we've experienced the grace, God, that you have given us through the cross, may we today have our worship re-energized and fueled that we might be passionate for you. Lord, meet us here by your spirit. Make us worshipers. It is your party. In Jesus' name, amen.